yeah with that let's let's jump into like our next segment which was uh just we're just gonna punch out the little things that have been going on yeah there's a lot of little things too oh my god so let's start off right right off the bat dr strange's costume um i checked cumberbatch what what do you think about it I have never I'm I'm not a huge Doctor Strange fan. I only know what I know from like the animated, you know, Spider-Man series and where he pops up here and there. So I think it's a cool character. I always thought that the costume in the comics was kind of ridiculous and I'm like, how yeah. are they going to how is this going to translate to the real world? So I've always been sort of curious. I saw it and I was like, "Oh my god, that works really really well." And what I didn't expect, it's less like, you know, 70s magician, which I was afraid it was going to kind of turn into. And it's more like, to I, I keep saying like Himalayan, Tibetan ghee, right? It kind of has that, it has that feeling of like being of the, you know, of the, him, like, like a Himalayan monk. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like the way the blue kind of has that and it has like all the belts kind of, uh, you know, kind of hiked up on his chest now we haven't seen the full body yet so maybe there's more to but i I feel like it's much more the eastern influence is really present and i really like that a lot i i have never followed dr strange like in any um of his comics but uh from where he's like especially the 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 series where i liked him the most is civil war and Mm -hmm. i just he's such a cool character in that he's one of the dissenters you know and he's like he's written really smartly and um but me saying smartly probably takes some devalues that (laughs) (laughs) he's you know he's very smartish um he's he's written very intelligently and um uh i guess smartly is an adverb too uh, he's uh but you know he i liked him from that a lot and i totally agree with you on that costume like if you think of him as like the resident magician then (laughs) it's sort of it's sort of you know it kind of un it, it just feels dumb especially yeah. with the way that scarlet witch looked in um you know in age of ultron you feel like well they've they've got to kind of keep with that theme of the guy that knows magic is not necessarily like you know a vegas magician he's yeah he is like some himalayan monk or something like that yeah well he's got and, and you know he's got crazy hand gestures he's got to do and he's got to say these ridiculous things like yeah. the hoary host of horgoth and like all i'm like oh god so the fact they chose cumberbatch he's like one of maybe two people alive who could actually get away with saying those things with like you know some gravity yeah. um I, I am still really curious what it would have looked like with joaquin phoenix in the oh, role, which was, was he considered? Yeah, he was. So they always wanted Cumberbatch, but then they're like, he's <clears> busy. We are, we're not going to get him. So then they started doing the rounds, and Joaquin Phoenix was really close to. I think he was like they're they were about to do a deal, and then that fell through. And then all of a sudden, Cumberbatch came back. He was announced. So I'm like, it must have been Joaquin Phoenix must have wanted too many ridiculous things or had had a twist on the character they just didn't want. And then they found out Cumberbatch was available. So. I, I, I in, a, in another world that happened, and I'm really curious to see what that would have looked like. I mean, it would have been a very different sort of thing than. With, I mean, Cumberbatch is the very predictable, safe choice. Which, yeah. For this character, more power to you. Like, I, this is going to be a hard sell no matter what you do. So you've got to make it like it's got to feel right. comfortable and natural. And and not that Joaquin would have been. I mean, he would have done something so crazy and interesting with it too. Yeah. But- I yeah. do like the idea that like he's he's you know it's a it's a European guy. There's like a sort yeah. of for, yeah. foreign vibe to it, you know, especially with the all American vibe of the Avengers, you know, which often just feels like a football team or something to me. Well, it's funny right. you say that because a lot of people were pissed that another white guy, like that Doctor Strange, should be a, I mean, should have brown skin. Darn it! Like there was a lot of that when yeah. he was cast, which I don't have. I mean, I don't know the character well enough to know if that's appropriate or not. 
But yeah, I agree. There's got to be – well, think about this. There's going to be Doctor Strange who is still white but not American. There's going to be Black <laughs> Panther, which is – you know the character is a black African even though I, I forget – what's um i forget the actor's name who's playing him but again yeah, not, not white american let's just put it that way um who else is coming out uh well i mean is is black widow ever gonna get an actual damn movie of her own probably not at this juncture i mean she seems to be a really good utility player in these other like she'll probably be in every you know with the exception of thor she'll probably pop up in every sort of you know, Iron Man, Captain America. So, I mean, she's, she's, I mean, she will have consistently been in every Avengers movie. Yeah. Now, since Captain America, Civil, uh, Captain America 2, like she was in that. She was in Avengers. She, I mean, she was in Iron Man 2, for God's sake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, she's just been in a lot of stuff. I don't know. I mean, at some point, it would be really cool when Scarlett Johansson's like 40. I would love to see like the standalone, like the last Black Widow movie. Assuming she survives, like, you know, once all the crazy cosmic stuff is all gone and the Infinity War is all done and she's assuming she's alive, I would love to see, like, a Black Widow standalone, like, you know, her and her, like, latter years kind of doing just a, a, you know, something in the vein of the Netflix Marvel stuff where it's, you know, it is a local threat that doesn't wield some kind of fantastical power that she's got to deal with in a spy way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That, That would be cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in general, I'm, I mean, I, I'm all for more, more movies and comics that are not just white European dudes <laughs> on that note, on that or note, American, though, have, yeah. I don't know if he's a white European necessarily, but he's a white guy. Star Lord's yeah. dad has apparently, I don't know if they've signed the deal, but he's announced it. Marvel has announced it that, that they're talking that this is probably yeah. going to happen, but Kurt Russell is yeah. going to be Star Lord's dad. It, it, hopefully, if everything goes well, what is, does that make sense to you? Did you? What, what were I don't thoughts? know the whole controversy about like. There, I guess there's always been the speculation of who who is Star Lord's father is and how he's related to people. And I don't know that I ever got solved. I don't know that if if Kurt Russell's casting like indicates to people who it's going to be. I just um, so that's why you know I, I like I'm interested, but. I don't really know what that means for anybody. In the comics, yeah. it is Adam Strange in a lot of a lot of the stories, right? Isn't and that's what I've Adam Strange. Adam Strange, yeah. Isn't that am I not hang on. I don't know. Am I talking I'm, to my ass on this? I was I wasn't questioning here. I was just like, oh huh. Yeah, I, that is the name that I've heard several times. Um and in and in, and let's just go one step further. In the comics, in the Infinity War comics lore. Mm-hmm. Adam Strange is the one who eventually beats Thanos by putting on the Infinity Gauntlet, and there's like a whole uh, – at this juncture, there's no way that will work simply because they haven't introduced him yet. Um, there's not like – there's not this precedent. So it could be Adam Strange in this term, but I mean that will just be a character you're introduced to who has some but probably not a lot of sort of uh, you know something to do with Infinity War. But I, all that aside – I love the fact that it is Kurt Russell. I think of all the actors that age, he makes the most sense. Um, you know, I don't know who else would fit as comfortably as Chris. If you're like, if you were just sitting around spitballing, who could be Chris Pratt's dad, like actor dad? <laughs> like Kurt Russell is probably in my top three. Like if you were to name him, I'd be like, hey, that sure. makes, makes perfect sense. I will say this. I wish they hadn't revealed it. Think about if you were watching Guardians exactly. 2. 
that is watching, you know, Guardians 2 and all of a sudden and, and knowing that they're probably going to reveal who his dad is and Kurt Russell turns up. It would be such an amazing surprise if you went in fresh, not knowing like, oh, my God, like it'd be so delightful, you know, yeah. to know. And I liken the experience to Snowpiercer, where for whatever reason, I went into that movie knowing who the whole cast was, not realizing Ed Harris was even in it. And I'm a huge Ed Harris fanboy. So, like, I went in there not knowing he was even in this damn movie. And when he was revealed at the end, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was such a shocking, troubling, delightful – I mean, he plays the bad guy, essentially. Um, but just to know that he's, like – you know, he was the the man behind the curtain. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Ed Harris? <laughs> like, And so they just – and in some ways, it's kind of jarring because it distracts from the story if you're not careful – but for me, it was it made that whole movie just go. It took it to another level because I'm like, here's this guy who I'm like, I love. Who it turns out this, and then it was such perfect casting. Like I couldn't imagine anybody else doing that role. So for Kurt Russell to sort of walk around the corner, or, you know, the the door slides up and it's it's him. I'd be like, oh my! It would be so neat to have that just be a total surprise if you're going in, you know, opening night or opening weekend fresh, you know, not knowing that that's the case. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with all that. Um, I probably <laughs> did. I spoil Snowpiercer for you. Have you not seen it? I have actually not seen it. I'm but <laughs> at this point, though, it's been two years. You I know. Be. I can't. It's like, what? Darth Vader is his father. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't. I can't claim that that should have been kept secret. You'll still. I, you'll I don't still think that it'll spoil it because I have no idea what happens in Snowpiercer. So well, exactly. Yeah. I'm There's, really excited. Snowpiercer so, is is less a movie and more a a a message so you'll it's it's you know you'll you'll appreciate it nonetheless because it's, it's the whole thing's a giant allegory for classism anyway so it's it's more about that and less about do they make it do they you know does the does the bad guy win like that's less important right right um and i do i just one note i actually think it's adam warlock i'm that, sorry that was what i googled You're so yeah. right oh my god that's why that's adam is adam strange even in the marvel universe Did i, I don't just create a i don't even know what that, what that is yeah i because i remembered um you oh know when, when that movie came out and i blogged about it and uh had friends so speculating about the the father um but no i mean i thought that sounded right too i was like yeah it's, it's adam somebody i think adam strange is a dc character i should get like 10 lashings behind the shed <clears> for that like that's wow I, would, I, I don't. You know, I, I've, well, specu- I've I've suggested before that it would be great if we just did <laughs> ran the whole podcast. We're just saying incorrect facts about about nerd culture <laughs> and just you know and just imagining the onslaught of like tweets or emails that we would get. I can confirm Adam Strange is in fact a DC character. So gotcha. wow. Okay. Uh, Maybe he looks. Although, like him. Maybe he's got the same beard or something. You know, there's there's something for it. I think they. I think Marvel should somehow buy the. Wouldn't that be amazing if they bought that character somehow and then? Well, when you said it, I was like, wait, is that like Doctor Strange's son or something? I'm spit into everything. Completely. Well, and keep in mind, I mean, it's so confusing. Let's just real quick. I have one of the reasons I've never been a mainstream DC Marvel fan. It's simply because of all the confusion. Yeah. You have Doctor Strange, who's a Marvel character. Adam Strange, unrelated in any way, who's a DC character, who's not magic at all. You have Captain Marvel, which is a a well. Wait, there's Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel. I well, forget. No, Miss Marvel is now. Is a Marvel character, or she's a Captain Marvel? But then there's also wasn't Shazam also called Captain Marvel at one point, or was yeah Mr. Marvel or something like? There's that aspect of it. Then there's Marvel, who is I don't even know which side that's on. Um, It just I'm like I don't. 
if you care about these things, great. I just can't. I know there's it, it, the fact that they, that the names got so similar, sort of. You know, I, I would rather I'd rather go to stories that are just standalone, nice stories <laughs> that don't have this problem. I know. I think that's a, I think that's a huge deal. Um, X Men Apocalypse trailer. Oh yeah, back into Marvel. Yeah, yeah, I, back into Marvel. Back uh, into to the mainstream. Well, uh, I mean, my question to you is: Are the are the stakes too big? I mean, yes. haven't, we, haven't they faced apoc- the apocalypse in some way in every movie? Yeah, I, I yes, and I go back to the first X Men movie that that came out in two thousand, where this it it I love that movie so much because the stakes were so small. Yeah, you know? and great. Well, you could argue, well, they weren't because he was trying to mutate, you know, half of the world leaders, you know, but it it was. It was a fight in the Statue of Liberty between like three or four people. Yeah, like that that felt great to me. Same thing, and the reason I love X Men Two so much, the stakes were only. I mean, granted, they were they were going to wipe out the whole world, but it was just in this bunker. It was just between. It, it was it was right. these people. You know, it wasn't like you know we're not you know no one's summoning you know. Uh, you know a giant stadium to drop on the white house and it's like so they got really ridiculous as much as i loved um days of futures past i mean that it it was kind of ridiculous like so i i I agree but because i love days of future past so much that i'm on board for apocalypse for sure i mean like there's nothing about it that makes me go ah it's too big brian singer man he knows what he's he he of of all the things he does know he knows x-men so he knows how to do this correctly he's got you know he's got a lot of them he's got freaking psylocke in like the costume He's yeah. got Storm with the punk hair. So I, I love young Jean Grey as, uh, yeah. as Sansa Stark. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm all on board. I just think it didn't really, it didn't feel like a trailer so much as it didn't really give me much story. I mean, just sort of like I, scene, 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 and he's bald. And that's, know. you know, it was just like, okay, I guess. You know? And there's the one scene, the thing that does it for me is there's a scene of apocalypse and he's saying something, you know, like, we will all you know conquer whatever it's some giant grandiose statement and it's you know his and you're seeing sort of the the view that previously we've seen on the cerebro where like all the bodies are just sort of floating past him yeah 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 and i just went oh it's just too much yeah that's too too huge that is the star wars prequels mistake yeah and where do they go from there like what i mean if they want to make another x say this one does well like where else can you go i know i I just don't uh, it's what's going to distract me more though and this is like a totally like a just a real geeky little thing. Um, and I just forgot the guy. The, the guy who plays um, uh, uh, Apocalypse is Oscar Isaac. Uh, Oscar oh, Isaac, yeah. who is Poe Dameron <laughs> in Star Wars, is Apocalypse. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I can't reconcile that in my head. I'm like, I love – he was so damn good. And that's one thing we didn't talk about. He was – I love that character in Star Wars. Like yeah. that was like such a 70s fun-loving like – Harrison Ford of old kind of character that I'm like, I don't know if I can see him as Apocalypse. Wasn't he? He was one other thing recently too, wasn't he? He's um, in Ex Machina. Is he really? Yeah, he's uh, uh, I mean, he's the genius uh, tech, you know, CEO that invites, oh, wow. invites Domhnall Gleeson to his mansion oh in the woods to, you know, show him this AI he's created. I still haven't seen it yet. I gotta watch and it. Lewin Davis and, you know, um, yeah. You were a big X Machina. That was one of your top top oh, films yeah. of the year, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it was so good. So I, I was going to tell you, I, I didn't I didn't put this in our notes, but I think what what I would love to see is if the X Men universe is wiped out, like literally just zeroed out, 
This mm-hmm. this is total wishful thinking. Zero it out after Apocalypse, movie-wise, I mean. Mm-hmm. And then shoot the stories that started in the comic book, I think, in 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know this whole chain of events, so Marvel fans feel free to correct me. But there were some uh, – uh, at some point, like all the mutants in the world were literally just killed, maybe by the Scarlet Witch or something like that. I don't know. It's a, I don't, I don't know what the hell that is. The, it's the House of M series, I think. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and then I don't know how they come back or whatever. But, and I think it's in 2013 that they rebooted the X Men title. It's just X Men. It's not Uncanny or anything else. And it's an all female team. Oh wow! And it would be so cool if Apocalypse sort of sort of combines those storylines and actually, you know imagines a world where that you know the the mutants are wiped out and we've got to start over the whole x-men crew and it's you know storm in charge and kitty pride and like that would just be a really cool well uh, they're not actually, gonna do it, i mean they've just cast it up this oh really i don't I mean, even know about this. the reason santa stark is gene gray is so they can do four more movies with this cat this young cast oh like, fuck that that's where they're headed i mean so it's like i don't <clears throat> i mean they could point, still but they could still do a version of that if they have storm and and uh you know i mean i would yeah. love to see ellen page come back as kitty pride well they've yeah. got freaking jubilee looking exactly like jubilee in this thing too I mean, it's- well the, when the uh I, I mean i had to look it up but that female team is jubilee storm rogue kitty pride Ooh. rachel gray who is gene and uh gray and i guess scott summer's child and psylocke so hmm. um yeah it's i mean it <clears throat> you know they're pretty close to having that team yeah, shoot, maybe that maybe that's uh maybe that's kind of where they had because nobody really wants to see Cyclops anymore. Like nobody yeah, wants like the same old same old thing. That would be kind of yeah. badass. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, with female driven stories finally getting the attention they deserve, it would be I I wouldn't unless Ghostbusters just fails hard. <laughs> yeah. Everybody goes, oh, we, we shouldn't do that. Like I mean, that's everybody. I hate to say this, but the the future. The good, all the goodwill that's being built now by Ray and Jessica Jones. Like, if Ghostbusters ruins that, they're gonna we're gonna be set back for another ten years. It's gonna take another ten years. I don't know. Like, that might. Know. I don't know. I do. It is cool. Um, I mean, it's it's you know, it's hard. I, it's hard to say that it's like such a huge wave of female-led things when you when you think like, well, yeah, but it's probably only like two percent of like the. But, but it's like the biggest stuff out right now. Like the biggest. Yeah. Movie yeah, yeah. Ever has a female lead. The yeah, biggest so like, show on Netflix has a female lead. Like it's exactly. You know. So I do hope that that momentum keeps building, and and because it is at momentum, I don't I don't know that it can be undone by Ghostbusters. I mean, because um, you know I'll I'll go see Ghostbusters, but it's not like I don't care about seeing it as much as Force Awakens or something. Yeah, but studios get freaked out by that kind of stuff. They'll like everybody. They're all like little kids. That's as true. Soon as, That's as soon true. as one falls on the playground, they're like, "Oh God, everybody stand back!" You know, it's like, <clears throat> oh, God. Yeah. Even though there's one confidently striding across the the icy road, you know, not getting hit by anybody. Everyone's yeah. like, well, that's that's just Ray. And everybody else, we got to watch out. Look, those four girls just, you know, fall, fell on their asses. I I comp- I will say all that to be said. I'm confident. I think a lot of people are mis uh, underestimating how good Ghostbusters is going to be. Like, yeah. I just look at the promo stuff they're putting out. As soon as they put out, as soon as Chris Hemsworth was writing on a moped as the new Janine, I'm like, I'm on board. I, I don't care what you say. And a lot of people, a lot of old school Ghostbusters fans are like, fuck this. Like, a lot of and I think one of the reasons we haven't seen a trailer yet is is a to get out of the way of all these other trailers that are are happening like Civil War and Batman. God, but I no think kidding. too, 
I think too, another reason is just they, they're kind of, I think they're taking their time with it. I'm, I'm, I think yeah. the trailer that comes out is going to be really well-crafted for yeah. this exact reason. Like we don't want anybody to, if we put out anything that, that is half-assed or, or, you know, it's got to be exactly pitched, you know, note perfect. I think yeah. I, I, I honestly feel like it may not happen, but I honestly feel like that's where they're headed with this. Like we're just, we're well, wait, you know? Yeah. And so, so the opposite of that, the the sausage fest let's talk about that, that <laughs> civil war trailer yeah 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 just full of full of dongs you no know, that civil war trailer <laughs> i i'll see it but it, part of me is just kind of like i i honestly feel like we're kind of the fatigue is kind of hitting me at Can last I get it? well you know i do i do have hope that maybe this is you know maybe it's wrapping up whatever phase this is in the marvel universe of um they're they've as as far as I can tell from the trailer, they've changed the Civil War storyline a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I kind of knew that was happening anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I I do like the idea of like this fractures the team, and then we just sort of have to have a you know clean slate that starts over with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and um, or I guess Quicksilver's dead, but I feel confident he's coming back in some way. <laughs> really? You, I mean, yeah. Uh, um, unless they just went, holy shit, that Days of Future Past scene was so good, we can't. I, I, I honestly think that's part of it. I think, really? I think they're like, well, I think the the Evans Peters Quicksilver is so better, is so much better, yeah, than anything that What's His Face is do up to. Even though he looks, he looks more on note in the Avengers yeah. version. I just and you know, he's got to stay dead, like. Deaths have to start mattering in this universe, or it's never. We're going to get to Infinity War, and no one's going to care. It's going to oh, well, you can just bring I them mean, all back. That is speaking of that, it would be it would be so shocking if the way they put a you know put that universe to rest is by actually assassinating Steve Rogers, which is what happens at the end of Civil War, the yeah. comic books you know yeah. series. Um, I, that would just that would be shocking you know but it would be it would be such a good way to like kind of wrap up that generation of those heroes and say if we end up doing captain america later it's gonna be a different guy and yeah you know um but well doesn't bucky become captain america at some point as well yeah, yeah at some point and then the I guy mean, who plays falcon becomes captain america yeah if i'm not mistaken so like there's precedent Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he in the you know in the comics he comes back, and then there's a whole thing where he's old all of a sudden, and then he's you know back to being young, or you know they'll they'll never get rid of Steve Rogers in the Marvel comics, but but it would be nice in the you know in the universe if they in the cinematic universe if they just had him step well, aside and put the Falcon. I mean, that's what I think is such a great. It would be a great build up to to Falcon taking over and just having Anthony Mackie be Captain America in the next solo you know movie what? that would be amazing and he could carry it anthony mackie's a pretty good actor like it's yeah. you know he he's Absolutely. not a, you know he's not yeah. denzel washington but he doesn't have to be he can carry i think they've done enough they've done a good enough job building the brand the marvel brand where and he's been in it it's not like he's a brand new face like he could take that on i don't see why not like why not make him captain america if no. that should happen although here's the thing what the chances of them killing off Steve Rogers are probably high because what else is it going to take to get Tony Stark to, to knock it off and actually come around and embrace everybody and, and not be, you know, an antagonist moving forward. It's going to take True. Steve Rogers dying for him to go, Oh shit. This is, although if Good he point. does die, then he's going to blame himself even more. I mean, he already blamed the reason he's doing a lot of this is because he blames himself and the team for collateral damage. Right. Like the reason he's 
Tony Stark is all like, we need to play by the rules is because he blames, he sees a vision of the future where he's the cause of it. So if Steve Rogers dies, I mean, does Tony Stark finally start drinking for real? Like, you know, and you know, for real, that's, you know, that's always been part of the character in the comics is he's an addict. And we, we don't really see that. We see him drink and you get drunk now and then we don't see him as an addict in the movies for various reasons. But, you know, it's like, all that's all that to be said is I just I I just don't I, I I'll see it I I'm sure it'll be good the Russos do good work I mean yeah it's great I just feel like I'm kind of I'm kind of burnt out on seeing suits fighting each other you know it's like and I feel I like I oh, I'm so with you on that I I would and, and strangely enough I'm more excited for Batman v Superman which comes out what two months earlier in March I mean we're clo- we're pretty much close to that here. I, I'm much more excited for that than for Civil War, just because yeah. I feel like it, it's it, when there's you know two characters having this you know back and forth. That's there's more room to breathe. But when it's like you know, goddamn, ten characters against ten characters, and then here, oh by the way, here's Spider-Man on top of that. Like I, I don't, I don't. It's too much I, for me. Yeah, that's just for me. I mean, I'm sure other people are like, oh no, we've been waiting for this. Well. So. I, to me, it's like I'm only giving them that rope, like to wrap things up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if that doesn't happen, if it, if it, you know, if all, if it just sort of ends up where they're, you know, they're all friends again or whatever, you know, the the yeah. sort of classic ending of all the other Avengers movies where they're they all get in their expensive cars and drive off. It's like then <laughs> I'll just be so annoyed. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh. But yeah, I'm, t- I'm hoping that the reason everyone's in it is because it's our send off to the old cast and a welcoming of the new well, team, and and that's kind of it. I'm gonna say, um, let me just throw a couple predictions out there. I think War Machine dies. Yeah. I'm just gonna say, Steve, I, I'll, I say Steve Rogers dies too. That would be it, so shocking for the lead character. Yeah, it needs. We need <clears> that because we need. If Infinity War is gonna matter at all, there's got to be something, and 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 yeah. and War Machine. Rhodey dying is fine, but that's not enough. Yeah. Like we need more. We need Steve Rogers to die. It almost seems to be because if War Machine's <clears> on one side and Steve Rogers is on the other, then it's like a side, you know, some a casualty from each side. We need to get back. We need to put this. We need to stop this fighting and and unite. And that gives them a reason to be united, going a, a meaningful reason to be united going into Infinity War. Um, and yeah. then also if it, you know, if the Infinity Gauntlet has the ability to bring people back to life. Then you know maybe that's and maybe there's there's something there too where one of them gets resurrected but they find out that that's you know they're like you know Steve is like you shouldn't have done that you know I need to stay dead you know there's some of that to be had too I don't know there's just there's, yeah. there's places to go I'll tell you what just just wishful thinking it would be amazing if Spider-Man's only appearance is like landing on the ledge of the window and Iron Man accidentally blasting him does. <laughs> Oh my and then God. it's like we never like he's just gone. That's it. Oh my God! Like on the windowsill. Hey Tony, and he's gone. Oh, and like yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Tony Stark's like, no. <laughs> I just no, don't know. No, it. Tony should just be like, I hate that guy. <laughs> I just I'm sick of him showing up on my windowsill. There's a reason why Spider-Man Three was so unbearable, and it's because there's uh, too many characters, too many things were crammed in. I mean, it's, I, X, it's X-Men Three, all that stuff. Yeah. Ooh, that's an even better example. 
But you're right. No, I mean, I, Spider-Man 3, you're right. It's Plus, they were trying to tell this. They're trying to tell a solo story about Spidey, and then they were trying to tell the sort of vin, like Venom or whatever the hell that. No, I like I like your X-Men 3 comparison better. That This has the stink of X-Men 3 on it. And I hate to say that because it's probably going to be it, – it, it will probably be great. But I have that – I was so – I have so much PTSD from X-Men 3 still 10 years later that I'm just like – yeah. I well, don't know, man. I'll t- I, maybe the, one of the other reasons that I'm holding out hope for it is that, um, I, you know, I, I actually I'm I'm actually more excited about Civil War than I am about X Men Apocalypse. Oh, I'm too. I, and, I give you that. And it just just to watch Tony Stark get his ass kicked. I mean, yeah. that just like that just cheers me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, but what, but ba- ba- on on uh, on uh, the subject of Batman versus Superman, I love um, your I love your IE bat soup. I'm gonna start calling it. Well, I did not think of that. That was uh, I think that's John Lehman from Chew uh, tweeted something about. He said, "I'm just gonna call it bat soup from now on." I love that. Which I think is like, please, let's just make this the hashtag <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, well, how do you feel about this this trailer? I don't think we've discussed the trailer. The well, one, there's two the trailers. Trailer. Yeah, there's two. There's the first one, which is really good, but then there's second one, which has a lot more Lex Luthor and reveals freaking um, whatever uh, his name is. Uh, I was gonna say Armageddon. That's not his name. What the hell's his name? That's exactly what I thought it was. But it's like, uh, isn't it? Uh, Doomsday. Doomsday. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's like Doom Dead Man something. Again, this is the reason I never could wrap my head around mainstream comics. Is I'm like, I don't really. You're just gonna call him Doom, like, whatever. And I get. I mean, if you love it, fine. No, no harm. No harm. No foul. It's just that's just where I am. But I, you know, it's the interesting stuff to me is is Batman v Superman. Like I like I want to see that yeah. dynamic and I want to see how Wonder Woman plays into it. Notice yeah. by the way, we have not seen Wonder Woman speak in right. any of these trailers. I know. Like and granted she had the most kick-ass reveal of this trailer where she comes I mean that oh, yeah. I mean I am I'm actually if anything this trailer has made me more excited for this standalone Wonder Woman movie because I'm like if this is what they're going to if this is how she's going to be, god, give me more of that. Um so I want to see I want to see how she interacts with those two. Like that to me is the movie. The bet I mean Doomsday is almost like a throwaway, like, oh, it's just, you know, here he is. And I'm kind of disappointed, honestly, with how um what's Jesse Eisenberg's doing Lex Luthor. Like I was a little bit like, oh, Do you no. feel like there's gonna be uh, that this is that this is like a fake out and there's gonna be sort of a twist where he becomes bald and like an evil, crazy person in the movie? He's already crazy by the way he's acting. I mean, I'm yeah, sure but he's more like already, Joker. No, no, right they've now. already re- they've already revealed the photo where he's bald. Like they've shown. Oh, they have? oh I have. Yeah, yeah. there's there was a, a staged photo shoot with Jesse Eisenberg at bald, and the way he he looks badass in that shot. So I was like, really? oh my god, if that's where he's evolving to, like, and there was it gave me a sense of the character that this trailer totally betrays. That gotcha. I was like, I was like, he's gonna be, he's gonna be. Oh, you're right. Very Mark Zuckerberg. Like I, I, I was expecting more him from the social network, less manic and just more controlled, but more of that sort of ego-driven, like, I'm a genius. I know what's like that's what I thought it was. Instead, he's running around like the freaking Riddler. Actually, I'm yeah. sorry. He's running around like the Joker in the yeah. Batman 66 series. I know. You know. Where he's what's his face? I forget the actor's name, but like that, that's the character. I'm like, what is this? Maybe it will work out fine. I don't know, but I just I, I want and maybe, you know, with freaking Batfleck, you know, being so earnest and dark, maybe a Luther maybe it's too much if Luther was that way, so it had to balance out somehow. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll reserve all judgment until I see it. I just, I feel like the trailer kind of gave you the sense, unlike X-Men Apocalypse, which didn't give you a sense of what the story was at all. This is like basically like the movie in mini format. It's like, well, here's the movie. I'm like, oh, okay. Which I was okay with because I think it, it sort of reveals like, well, the interesting thing about the movie isn't necessarily going to be this conflict at the end. Yeah, I hope it, not. It's going it to be, be the the conflicts between the characters. Yeah, and yeah. At least that's what I'm I'm hoping for, of course. You know, I mean, part of me kind of wishes though, like you look at this and I'm like, couldn't they have just they should have just done the Dark Knight Returns instead? Oh uh, no. You know, because I'm and there's so many of those elements in this, and especially if it's true that um oh god, what's her name? I was trying to think of this earlier today. She's in the Hunger Games, she's in Donnie Darko. What is she's in this? Oh my um, god, I don't know who you're talking about now. Oh god, oh my god. Google, save me. What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Jenna Malone or Jenna Maloney. She's in this. um, And everybody, there's a lot of, I mean, maybe they've even admitted this. There's a lot that says she is the uh, uh, Kelly, oh, what's her face? The the Robin from Dark Knight Returns. Um, The Robin from Dark Knight Returns. Oh, right, right, right. She's, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Her face. Oh, God, I can't think of the name. Yeah, even on IMDb, they're calling her rumored to be Barbara Gordon. So, maybe versus, um, uh, yeah, I I can't. But she's got red hair and all her, like, you know, you know, from the set photos, um, which Barbara Gordon does have red hair. So, maybe, Um, I mean, that'd be cool too, but I, I don't know. I just, I feel like she'd be a, she'd be the perfect sort of grown up version of that Robin from Dark Knight Returns. I'm just like, oh, man, it looks great. I love, I'll make no, no, I love the Zack Snyder Watchmen. Love it. In fact, it was probably the thing that got me into comics. So, you know, don't, it, it, no, it, I have no trouble loving this and the way he's sort of the look and feel of the DC universe, I think is exactly spot on. Yeah. Um, in the movies, anyway. So, and we'll see how Wonder Woman plays that out and, you know, other Batman movies and that kind of stuff. The Suicide, the, tangentially, the Suicide Squad um, movie looks equally interesting I, in fact i'm i'm probably more interested in bat soup and suicide squad than any marvel offering next year yeah. that's just me you know because civil war we've seen it and if anything i think if, any, if anything if dc has one strength going into next year it's that we've seen marvel now like we know what that yeah. world is yeah. we know you know short of dr strange which might be a totally different that might be like a reboot to the brand maybe um but like we know what we're gonna get with marvel so it's more of the same and i think one of my biggest problems with avengers 2 was i've seen this like i've seen i've i know this now and even with guardians of the galaxy 2 like i've seen it like i know what it is you know i'm I'm less excited it's less shiny and new whereas dc movies are like ooh, well i love what you said about the fatigue like that yeah i mean i think that just nails it and like um uh you know, you know what you're getting with the Marvel movie. And so that, and that's really why I'm like, not to reiterate that, but I would just love that civil war, you know, puts a pin in that. Let's just yeah, yeah. wrap this up and tw- let's, let me turn that into an awkward segue of <laughs> fatigue and having seen it enough. That new star Trek trailer just came oh, out God. at the worst time. Yeah. What have, were they- you, have you seen it? Yes, I have. I saw it before. So they put it online 
thankfully. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking about. Like, oh, it's only in theaters. Like, any studio who thinks your trailer is not going to be up online, just put it on YouTube the same day you put it in theaters. And I then know. people can see it. In, but, like, stop it. Stop trying to think that you're somehow exclusive to Comic-Con or exclusive to Jimmy Kimmel or whatever the hell, wherever yeah. you're debuting your trailer. Like, it immediately goes online the moment it goes up in one of those other formats. That yeah. aside – it popped up it was weird that it popped up before star wars right it's like those two franchises couldn't be more different and shouldn't be the same i know number Which one is, yeah so it's like i don't know why and i get that jj abrams produced it too but as loyal as jj abrams was doing star wars force awakens to like the you know the sort of the promise of the franchise he didn't direct it's the guy who did fast and furious directed the new star trek oh really yeah so it's jason lynn or that's not his name whatever that dude's name is um maybe it is jason lynn he directed this new but jj abrams produces it much like he jj has become a producer on star trek like he has on the mission impossible movies gotcha so it's got his sort of fingerprints on it i i as much and I love, I'll make no mistake. I loved the uh, the first JJ Star Star Trek movie. Like I thought that was, I loved it. I mean, it was, yeah, I, it 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 was a little too adventurous for some people, but I think it, I thought it felt, you know, the characters felt right. Everything kind of felt, it felt like a really nice modern sort of version of that. Yeah. Um, did not care for Into Darkness at m- much at all, and like this just feels like another step down. I agree. Like, I, you know? I, I that's you, yeah. That's like as much credit as I give into darkness for um, having the same cool threads that it was pulling together as the first movie, like where you're, you know, where they're taking like characters that we know and going back in time and, you know, pulling in old Spock and all that kind of stuff. Like I loved what they did with Khan and kind of setting that up. But I I definitely felt like, ah, this is not, this is not the Star Trek you know bloodline of like this is not how they like <laughs> yeah. this is not an adventure like it's not a i mean and i guess i'm using adventure the, the other it's you know it's not an act this is an action movie not an adventure movie of exploring new places and um you know oh, being a got... peaceful mission to the the galaxy i mean it's it was all like weapons and shooting and and the beastie boys song and uh, motorcycles oh, and i'm like God. this is not this is this was a really good trailer for a a space action movie that has nothing to do with Star Trek. Like, yeah. if, if I, mean, the, I, I literally watched it and don't, I have, could not tell you a thing about it except that Beastie Boys song. Well, and if, if, if a title came up after it that didn't say Star Trek that said, like, you know, Fantastic Space 2016, yeah. I'd be like, this looks cool. I might see right. this. Instead of, like, Star Trek. And, and it was telling, by the way, that Simon Pegg, who co wrote this, I should add, oh, really? Um, immediately tweeted after that, like, this trailer don't stay patient we'll show you another trailer that this is not that trailer doesn't really give you a sense of the movie that we created and i'm like oh interesting that's so it's, really weird it was weird that that happened um it, it showed that he was like oh this wasn't what we put in and it was just like why did, why why did you put that out before Star, it, anybody who put a, a trailer out before Star Wars, like I get it, you, you well, want to be attached yeah. to the biggest movie of the year, fine. But it's like, why now of all times? Like, let it's not it, the time for a space movie. No, God, no. Okay. Like, it was just so weird to see that come up before a star, and especially again, those two franchises have nothing to do with each other other than they occur in space. That's it. Like, well, 
you know, it was. Do you think J.J. Abrams aside, do you think that this rebooted Star Trek, um, you know, I mean, do you, how deliberate do you think that decision was to make them more action movies in order to compete with things like Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars and stuff like that? I mean, uh, I, well, I think pretty heavy. I mean, it's it's interesting that Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, it had action, but like you wa- go back and watch that first Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad you said that because you watch that first trailer and the Guardians of the Galaxy deliberately in a very Tarantino-esque way uses modern music to sort of set a mood and a tone. Exactly. And it feels like they went, oh, we'll do that with our Star Trek trailer. There's and it's totally out of place. Yeah. Like that's not what this franchise is. Like I – they would have done a lot better. Like I have gotten to know – you know that, that – um, what is the th- that theme that you know the start the modern Star Trek theme? I've actually gotten to know that really well. So like if they had started with just that, like Harry Potter esque with like a black screen, right. and you hear like the like that would have set the tone so much better instead of like da 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 da. You know, it's just like oh yeah, what is this? I totally agree. I'll say one more thing on the matter. Um, the fact that Idris Elba, I don't even know if he appeared in it. He's the bad guy in this movie. Where was he in this trailer? Was he there at all? I don't remember even seeing or hearing no, him. Nothing about this trailer makes me give a crap about seeing the next trailer. That's the biggest yeah. mistake. It's Ooh, like I could understand if they had done the Star Wars kind of thing of of, you know, maybe maybe it could have just been like flashes of the like explosions, you know, in the ships and stuff yeah. and you're like, "Wait, what's going on? Are they, you know, what's happened to the Star Trek crew?" And then the next trailer kind of reveals something of it. But you were right. It was totally like this is just Fast and Furious in space. Yeah, you know, it was yeah, just this and, movie where you're supposed to go. Oh, there's action and lasers. I'll go see it. I don't. Yeah, and I mean, and granted, the Fast and Furious guy directed it. So if anything, yeah. they should be like, they should be convincing us that oh, this will be nothing like Fast and Furious. This is going to be. He's got you know, Jay's. Who's the guy who directed this? I gotta, I gotta know this now. I don't know, but I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, it's totally like when Brett Ratner took over X Men. Oh, Jesus! Don't <laughs> again. Oh, the guy, the guy from Rush Hour is doing. Oh my God! Doing X Men. Justin Lin. So yeah, if anything, the, the, the goal should have been Justin Lin has another gear creatively, and we're right. gonna, yeah, we're exactly gonna show yeah. you that that's true with this trailer. It should, if anything, it should have been like, who directed that? Justin Lin? No way! Yeah. Really? What else is he capable of? That should have been like it should have been a shock that this was a Justin Lin directed movie instead of oh god, go figure. Like, I, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I forgot yeah. that just for this, just for such a case as this discussion, uh, I, I, uh, I, I meant I meant to sound this off, which is. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Next year. I like that. Well, let's hit let's hit the the punch list you had. You had a shout out to yeah, a couple of quick shout outs. Um, and I didn't we didn't get to talk about this yet. I just want to we mention- don't we don't mean in the in the Ryan Seacrest way of like oh, God no <laughs> props to my mama. His name <laughs> doesn't belong anywhere in this podcast. I there's something <laughs> came out um in the last two months that we haven't talked about. We haven't had really a forum in an episode to do it. Uh, as a He Man fan. Every time you used to buy a He-Man toy back in the 80s, one of the things and, – and, and this goes back to an actual podcast where we talked about how oh, we yeah. got into comics. The, yeah. My first introduction to comics was buying He-Man toys or being given He-Man toys as a gift more likely. And each toy was a small mini comic that had to do with that character. That was right, – right. I don't know. I, I, I really love that. And every, every toy that came out and even reissued toys would have newer versions or different comics. They have gone back and have collected all of them. 
and I forget how many there are. There's a lot of. There's like at least a hundred. Oh, so these are the original mini comics that they yeah. have collected. Yeah, they co- and collected them and put it in a hardcover or Kindle digital version of wow. all of them. So you can go back and read them all in one place. And actually, the hardcover, I don't get the Kindle version. Get the hardcover because it's got it. It's a bigger size, so it's like a supersized version. It's not the same exact uh, dimensions of the original. So the the art is bigger. It's it's re rendered, remastered. So it's it's you know higher def. Um, and it's got a lot of cool stories. It's weird because it goes in chronological order of release. So the I think like the first couple, three or four uh, issues, have really nothing to do with the He-Man story as you know it. Um, because when they first put He-Man out, they didn't really know what the story was going to be. Right. So it's like kind of like this barbarian guy who leaves his tribe and finds this magical castle. And there's elements of it, but it's not the mythology that is now the set mythology. So it's kind of cool to go, oh, well, this is like a weird twist on what the He-Man story would become. Um, Interesting. So it's cool. I mean, if you're a He-Man fan, go grab it. It's really reasonably priced too. I was really surprised um, on Amazon. So grab it. If you buy the digital version, one more caveat, um, if you should happen to get the Kindle version, they strangely split it into two volumes. So you have to buy two different editions to get what the hardcover would just give you, which I don't, I don't know what they're, they were doing. So get the hardcover (laughs) version all around if you're going to buy it. Uh, and one other thing that I'm really excited about coming in 2016, and this is like – we can talk about this for another thing, but HBO's Westworld is right. finally on the way. <clears throat> I don't know if they've given an actual debut date yet. I'm going to guess sometime in the summer or fall probably. Yeah. Um, but I'm so excited for this. Going back to Ed Harris. Ed Harris is in it. Anthony Hopkins is in it. Uh, there's apparently a lot of nudity in it, uh, which doesn't especially excite me. But just knowing if you ever – if you heard that story about the casting call that went out. Uh, a couple weeks oh, right. ago for yeah go google that you'll know what we're talking about so it's probably going to rival game of thrones and it's and it's crazy but just the fact that anthony hopkins and ed harris are in an hbo series based yeah. on this michael Crichton. is it michael Crichton? i think so i believe so um and they, made, awesome. they made a movie of it right they made a movie of it with okay. um the guy who's in the king and i back in like the early early 80s right you'll brenner you'll brenner thank you god but was um, that based on the Michael Crichton? Yeah, it was. It was actually yeah, yeah, it was Michael Crichton, and he wrote the screenplay too. So I need to go back. I haven't seen the movie. Strangely enough, I should go back. And I'm I apologize. Not not late, uh, early eighties, nineteen seventy three. Yeah. So, um, of all things that need to be rebooted, this makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. this makes really good sense for why you know something that should be rebooted. The other guy, um, it also has uh, BD from the Hunger Games. He's been in a bunch of other stuff. What's uh, that black actor's name? He's really good. Um, oh my god! Come on, Google. <laughs> I hate that you. Come you on, Google. Teed it up that way, and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I always do that, like uh, expecting you to know, and then it's like, not that I think you should know, but what's his? It's, Jeffrey are you Wright. Talking about Jeffrey Wright. Okay. Yeah, he's in it. Um, so I mean, it's got a stellar cast. I, you know, it, it's a western. It's a future western, which is right in my. I mean, like I love the hell out of East to West. Not that this is the same story, yeah. but it's got a lot of that same. That. I'm a huge – I'm an advocate of saying that if you can take Western and mash it up with something in a series, not a movie as Cowboys and Aliens <laughs> has, taught, has taught us, in a series where you have time to tell a story, I think really good things can happen. So the more you know, Western and something else – it can be a space thing. It can be a fantasy. It can be anything. I, if you can take Western, mash it up with something, I, again, when you have time to tell a story. Although – 
did Cow- did you like Cowboys and Aliens? Well, that's probably for another podcast, but uh, I I sort of I think I really wanted myself to like it. I'm in the same boat. Um, I, I didn't hate I, it. I just I was like, I think, and the other thing is, I think I liked it up until the big final confrontation. Yeah, and then I just you're right. Like, oh, you turned into every other yeah. alien movie. You're absolutely this year. right. You're absolutely right. It had so much more promise that it just didn't quite. That's you know what? Yeah. Cowboys and Aliens was not the fault of the mashup. It was the fault of Damon Lindelof who wrote it. And we can blame him. Oh, man. Yeah. We can blame him for many, many things. John Favreau freaking directed it. So everything was there. It's just John it, it, Damon Lindelof wrote it. That's all we should say. Anyway. Well, well and then, uh, you know, speaking of disappointments, we just heard uh, – This just <laughs> – Which is a, really isn't a disappointment when you think about it. But George R. R. Martin has confirmed he can't hit his deadline. <laughs> they oh, keep sh- no. Really? shifting the deadline. No, I, know. I have no shock. idea. That You'll was... never believe this. Oh my this god! This book he's been writing for ten years or whatever. So um, did you did you read his whole note on the matter? No, but I thought it was hilarious that in the uh, in the news item that I read, it said in a lengthy apology, and I was like, "Stop writing lengthy apologies yeah, for exactly. Christ's sake, man! Write he, the fucking book." He spent <laughs> he spent all of Christmas break basically blogging. Uh, and tweeting about the NFL. I'm like, why aren't you, you know, everybody gives people shit for like, like don't, he should take as much time as he needs. I'm like, yes, he should. As long as he's working on this. Well, but he I distracts mean, himself with so many other things. It's like, what, why? Well, the other like, thing is, he's, as we've covered in numerous other podcasts, especially our, our big one on, on like the future of, you know, fiction and writing novels. Like we know, we already know this thing is going to be so damn long. And yeah. we also know that all of the, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire novels start with a uh, prelude chapter that has nothing to do with anything, and they end on some crazy cliffhanger that you've got to wait years to get resolved. Why yeah. not just release what he's got? Why not yeah. just release this, like, make it into a 400-page book and release it, and then release the next 400 pages? Yeah. But he's apparently, what I guess what he reveals in that note is he he's changed some things and he's had to go back and, you know, it's like the butterfly effect thing of where he's got to go back and re-edit stuff that he's already written in order to fit where he's, you know, changed stuff. And it's like, Oh my God, dude, you know, this is, this is great. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Oh. I don't think he, I don't think he ever puts it out. I think the series, really? yep. I think the series. <laughs> yep. I, I think, I, I love this, by the way, we need more of this. Yeah. <laughs> The, you know, the whole new format, sound effects. Yeah, I, I think the se- I think series six comes and goes. I think series seven comes and goes. If you're to believe HBO, it's going to be done after seven. I don't think yeah. that's correct. I think they're going to go into eight. Um, but I think I think series seven ends before this comes out, and I think he just decides. You know what? It's he gets so frustrated and flustered by the fact that the series has now beat him to the end that he just he's like, whatever, I'm 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 done. And he'll do some kind of Semerillion like. Even though he's done it already with like the World of Ice and Fire, which I own, which is great, um, yeah. he'll still do some kind of weird like you know two thousand page Semerillion like you know sort of collection of short stories that sort of becomes. I think that's what we'll end up getting. And well, I say and, that and well, the Duncan Egg stories, which just came out this year, the Night of the Seven Kingdoms, which yeah. is you know, I, I, but it's like just put those out, man. Just write short stories and put yeah. them out. That's fine. Yeah. Wrap it up that way. I and but, I think because I think he's I. I think he's set himself up and if you read his letter a couple of things a couple of things were interesting he 
he talked to his he, he basically talked to his publisher and his editor and go and goes hey i'm here's where i am and they're like okay and this is like back in like august and they're like yeah. okay well um here's the deal if we can get your final manuscript in by halloween october 31st we can edit it and have it published and out before season six starts on hbo right. we can do this he's like oh great october 31st that's like three or four months from now i can i can do that october 31st comes and goes and he does he's not even close and he's like hey we missed it and they're like hey, okay you know what we knew that was going to happen we can we've actually we've gone to great lengths to figure out how to basically rush this through if you can get us the final manuscript by december 31st we can still hit this deadline he's like oh my god i can still and he told them this like mid-october he's like okay i have you know basically two and a half extra months i can do this december 31st comes and that's basically new year's eve he wrote this letter going well i didn't hit that deadline either and you the way it reads is basically like i don't i don't know what the story is you know sometimes you write faster sometimes you write slower it's been that way my whole career of course he never acknowledges that he's working on all this other shit at the same time like right you know gaiman's like i've i'm busy with all kinds of things so you'll get it when you'll get it and i'm like right. great i that's great. You're acknowledging, but then George Martin's like, he'll go to these conventions and he'll tweet, like he'll live blog, like freaking things have nothing to do with game of Thrones at all. And I'm just like, I'm looking at this and I'm, and you look at goals and deadlines he's set for himself in the past. And then you look at what he, when he talks about the show, he was so convinced for so long that he would beat the show. He's like, right. we'll get close, but I'll always be ahead. And now that they're like drastically ahead of him, I think it's actually kind of screwing with his creativity. Oh, yeah. And I think, man, I think, I think that's a big point. And I think he's just like, I, you know, and I think enough people now are harassing him even more, more than ever. People are like, well, now the show's ahead. So what are we book readers going to do? Like, are we, we have to, are we going to be spoiled by the show? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I honestly think he's not – I don't think he'll ever finish. I don't think there will ever be a Winds of Winter. There will be some kind of weird hodgepodge of everything, if, if, and that will come out like in 2018 when like HBO finally finishes. Like it will be – and that will coincide with like the end of the series will be like, and here's his kind of master work, and then he'll just be done. He'll be like, I'm not – I'm just done. Right. Yeah, I uh, – it speaks to me. It just like – it. It just sort of hurts me physically because as a person who writes and thinks about deadlines and thinks about big projects and how to get them done and stuff, not that I have some genius way of doing it, but it's like you can just see all the poor ways of doing it, you know, (laughs) like just all these things you've mentioned of like, I, I mean, I can't even imagine if you're working on three different TV series, like how do you ever turn off those brains to write a novel? You know, yeah. Like, there's a yeah. reason that he didn't write uh, the Game of Thrones, the initial Game of Thrones novel, when he was working on Beauty and the Beast, the television season. Oh God, I forgot like, that. Because he was fucking busy with that. <laughs> like, yeah. that's why he wrote short stories and stuff like that. That's why he sat down to write something that was like unfilmable. You know, because it's he was freed from the constraints of you know television deadlines and stuff like that. So that's where I think your analysis of like him getting beaten by the show. That rings so true to me of like, you know, he had this author's idea that he could finish before them and it's yeah. fucked with his head. And I think he's being beaten by the fan, he, the fan reaction. He's more on more than one occasion. He has made comments that lead me to believe the fan reaction really gets to him. Yeah. Where he's just like, stop asking me about the, like, stop, just stop. 
And I'm yeah. like, that's all well and good. And I, I, I have some sympathy for him because we, what we don't want is a misery, is a Stephen King misery type situation <laughs> where, you know, a fan freaking like holds him hostage in a house and says, you will finish. Like, we don't want that. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't, my sympathy kind of stops short because I'm like, here you are working on everything else but this. Like, and that, and, and, and there's, it's either simply because he's committed to these other things when I'm like, your first priority should be, should be ice of fire. So right. I'm like, if you're working on these other things, you're either just so stuck on ice yeah. and fire, you just don't know what to do. So you're, just, you're, you're, you have other creative outlets that you're just getting that out, or you're just, you're, you paralyze yourself with fear and expectation, which I'm, yeah. I'm thinking is more likely where it's like, it's fear that the fans aren't going to like what you're going to put out, that they're going to be pissed at the show, beat you to these ideas. You're going to be scared that the show is going to have better ideas than you do because he's told Benioff and Weiss how the series is going to end. So they have the same roadmap that he's working off of. The details may be different, but they're going to the same ending. So it's like, I just don't see him. I just don't see how he finishes. Well, I think he's got a, I think he's got a Lucas and the prequels problem going on, which is, you know, what originally was going to be a trilogy. Then he decided it was going to be five books. Then, you know, then six then seven, God knows how long at this point, but it's like, he could have, I think the first three books are awesome. I think, those first three books tell these like, you know, two or three really complicated stories that are really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this thread hanging over them that, you know, now in retrospect, I'm like, maybe that didn't need to be resolved. <laughs> maybe we don't really care about winter coming. <laughs> you know, maybe that's just the looming sort of natural disaster that's about to happen. But he literally there's no there's there's nothing preventing him from wrapping that up in two books. And he went on just this masturbatory fantasy of like (laughs) putting in everything he wanted i mean book four is senseless you know and then book five is even longer than that well and he adds all these new characters that have nothing to do with the plot crucial plot points of anything else it's just like what what I, it's just it's such a problem of like editing and you know i mean he's been put on this you know he can do what he wants i mean he he has the luxury of missing deadlines i mean i can't you know no you know a young author would have that like if exactly you know, even if you'd only written you know five books i doubt your sixth book gets allowed to do that i bet they're like no it's we it's, it's your deadline or find another publisher or whatever even, you know and i hate to make this comparison at all or even give this guy any extra notoriety but even christopher paolini author of those stupid inheritance um <laughs> It was a trilogy, the inheritance cycle. It's that Aragon book, you know, that dragon, uh, horrible. Oh, right, right. Like, he's the most pretentious. I hate hate that dude. But even he popped out, you know, for, I mean, those books got longer as they went on too. And he he was even like, well, it was originally an inheritance trilogy, but I made it an inheritance cycle because I wanted to add a fourth book. He finished that, like, in the time it took George Martin to, like, write, to go from, like, book three to book four. Christopher Paolini like popped out all four and granted they're not good, but he's still like, the, the workmanlike sort of aspect of that. Um, you know, it's like, I think if, if he was writing, if books four and five didn't just fall off the rails so drastically and everything, the quality was, you know, just got better and better, you know, especially if, you know, one through three were so good, like it would be one thing. So it's just like the fact that he's got all these distractions, the quality, you know, four and five weren't, 
it's gotten a little worse and a little more chaotic each time. Like why his publisher doesn't rein him in that that's the job of the publisher. Otherwise, why doesn't he just self-publish these things? Like he's acting like he is self-publishing and he's just like, Hey, I'll do it when I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, 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 your publisher, you're working for them essentially. Like what, I mean, these are all those issues we talked about with the with the prequels in in the Star Wars episodes of like, I mean, just who who is not telling George Lucas like this is a bad idea, man. Gary Kurtz wasn't around. So exactly. It's like Lucas can just do whatever he wants. And it's like that's on one hand, that's a great playground to be in. But on the other hand, man, it makes me wonder what were the circumstances in his life that made that led to books one, two and three like. Right. What was he was he working on other projects? Did he have a certain editor that he doesn't work with anymore at his publisher? Like what were the what was in know. place that isn't in place now? But isn't this just the normal uh arc of a of a an you know a creator who gets so successful that he can, you know, set his own terms and so he just sort of goes crazy and it's no. sort of like no. you, know, you don't think so? I mean no. that's I'll that give just... you two examples. I'll give you two examples where this did not happen. Two yeah. examples where it didn't happen. J.K. Rowling and Stephen King. Like the dark. T- well, yeah. Dark Tower is even more sprawling and more crazy. And I mean, and that covered novels and comics and yeah. all these other things. And Stephen King had no problem churning all that out, along with you know, God, freaking sequels to uh, The Shining and all these other things. So it's like, and J.K. Rowling, granted, hers was not as i mean hers was directed towards a different audience but right. still just as just as the, the pressure on her was just as great if not more so than on um george r r martin and she finished before i mean and the, and she was racing the movies so she was in exactly the same situation where she's like oh god i gotta finish i gotta beat the movies um so they have somewhere to go i mean imagine if she didn't finish imagine if jk rowling didn't finish book six and move and, and all of a sudden like i mean you had kids who were getting older like they had to fin- they had to make yeah. movies and so she like, wrote all of those in 10 years and it was basically like 10 years between the first two game of thrones books <laughs> well she, she took like but she took like nine years to write the first book oh okay <laughs> she started writing in 93 right so like or 91 or 93 and then so sorcerers sorry philosopher's stone came out yeah. in like what 97 98 97 yeah yeah, and so so she, I mean, and so granted, during that time, she built the world as well. Yeah, you know, but she, I mean, um, Nigel, is it Nigel Rothfuss, the guy who writes uh, the King uh, the King Killer series? Um, Nigel Rothfuss, I think his name. I'm butchering his last name. Again, he spent eight years, I think, writing that first book. Um, but then, like, he's off to the race. Like, once you get that first book out, a lot of that early time is spent really thinking about the world and all that. So she spent a good chunk of time putting that first book together but then yeah and and her books got much like game of thrones got progressively longer and you know longer and more important than, as time went on so it's just like she could have easily been, it could have easily happened to her and she somehow i think and i honestly think it's her publisher and yeah. just the idea of the movies are going to beat me i got to stay ahead of this and her publisher working with her in the correct way yeah you know, you know there's i even have if you get the um the blu-ray edition of um, uh, uh, dark uh, half blood prince. Um, there is like a whole kind of like uh, like a you know two hour documentary about J.K. Rowling, but it starts with her writing the final book. She booked a hotel room and like locked her, you know, yeah. spent like a whole week away from her family to finish that damn book with no internet, no nothing. Just she just sat in this hotel room writing, and I'm like, 
Maybe that's what you got to do, George R. R. Martin. I know you have your weird little word processing system from like the 80s oh, that nobody God. else uses anymore. But like find – again, a, a good editor, a good editing um, partner would – that's what an editor should do. They should be that cheerleader. They should be the – you know, sort of the – the the teacher being hey this is due tomorrow you know like that yeah. that sort of sensibility is important anyway i don't want to go off on a, like we can get a whole podcast. yeah yeah but we yeah we'll do we'll catch up on george martin i'm <laughs> sure several times as uh as game of thrones the series looms ahead of us and and everything else but basically we're saying george <laughs> that was not the sound effect i was expecting <laughs> I like that. That's going to be the fast racing. That is actually an appropriate. I that just that sort of nonsensical <clears throat> chaos. I think is perfect for. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I couldn't think of a better sound effect to sort of end that note. Hello, this is Todd A. If you uh, missed part one of this giant year-end podcast multi-episode show, uh, you missed me saying that Taylor and I went really long on this. Um, We hadn't talked in a while, and we just wanted to catch up on everything. We ended up talking for almost three hours. So I cut that. We're not Joe Rogan, so we didn't want to just put that out as is. Um, I cut that into three pieces. You have just listened to uh, part two of that whole thing. They're all going to be numbered as separate episodes. You'll want to check out episode 10 and episode 12 that comes after this. You've just listened to episode 11. Um, I hope that all works out in the end. Um, We had some, you know, we, we had some numbering challenges from time to time. Anyway, Thank you for listening. Check us out at toddandtaylor.com where you can get all of season one and season zero. Um, we have a ton of episodes up there now, and we just like to go long on stuff that we like. But you're going to have to tune in to the next episode to get the exciting conclusion of our year-end podcast.